Thanks for tuning in to this New York Fashion Week episode of the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I'm sitting down with James Mishka, one of the two legendary designers behind Badgley Mishka, the brand's fall 2024 show on Saturday, built on its celebration of 35 years in business. Plus, it served as a launch party for its new prestige fragrance collection. I wanted to ask James how he and Mark juggle the many components of their business, which include licenses in categories beyond apparel and beauty. I'm also interested in learning about Badgley Mishka's current direction and whether the demand is high as ever for their glamorous gowns. Hi, James. Welcome. Hi. Thank you very much. We meet again. We meet again. Thank you for taking all the time with me this week. We just talked about your fragrance and man, you are recovering from a show. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what the usual, like, I don't know, simmer down processes following the show. Do you get to relax? It's funny. It used to be that after the fashion shows, the designers would typically go away for, you know, two weeks to recharge, to sort of reset. Um, we don't get to do that any longer. We just have to go straight back into, you know, after the show, we went to the back to the showroom, worked with our team about getting everything priced and ready for the buyers to come in the next day. And we all actually did get to sit around, have a pizza, have some pizza and champagne and watch the video of the show. Because we didn't get to see it. We were backstage. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure it's a proud moment. What can you tell me about um, I guess how you evaluate the success of the show, maybe back in the day, maybe it was looking at show reviews and, and really looking at those, um, fashion critics. Is that still part of it or like what makes for a successful show? It's always a part of it. See how the response was from the, from the audience. That's, that's really the best, um, the best gauge. Uh, the buyers start coming in, you know, the day after or two days after the show, uh, that's been happening this week, and that's been fantastic. The reviews are always important to us. You know, we, you know, we care a lot about what we think, but we care a lot about what other people think as well because it is a, you know, fashion is a visual and a uh, consumer product. You know, so it has to be hopefully received well by the audiences and then eventually worn by them. Yeah, it's interesting that you do the show and then you have your buyers' appointments. It reminds me of how we talk about maybe the model is dwindling or changing where it was a show for the buyers. Tell me who was at the show. I was at the show. I'm pressed, but it, was it a good mix? It was a good mix. We had a lot of um, a lot of influencers there, which that's that's the really the most important thing to us right now is getting it out with the influencers, because it used to be that, that there were only, you know, three, maybe four voices in fashion that really mattered. It was, you know, the usual suspects, the glossy magazines and then the um, sort of trade publications as well. Now there are so many voices, so many people have an opinion and it gets out there so, so readily and so immediately. It's really kind of amazing. So we really try to get a really nice cross section of, you know, besides just the traditional press, we try to get the influencers. We try to get, you know, some celebrities and some um, people who are are of note that people follow that they, they want their opinion. People want the opinion of all these influencers. Yeah. Tell me about the, the type of influencers that work for the brand. I know when we talked about your fragrance launch, you were telling me that, um, you know, you don't cater to a specific age range necessarily, that somebody bought the same dress for a prom as, uh, and also the same dress was purchased by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah are, is this is this influencer um, also like follow that? They're not, are they young? Are they older? Are they a fashion girl? I mean, influencers that go to our show tend to be fashion influencers. There, there really are 
they have to love fashion to be to be invited to our show first of all and to have an, a really good opinion they have to really be aware of what's going on in fashion not only our show but the rest of the season as well so they kind of put it in context who are these buyers that are coming to your showroom um are you working with the u.s department stores is it largely international uh, it's, it's both. It's the U.S. department stores. It's um, we get a lot of customers from Mexico and South America as well in the in the uh, New York showroom. It's the, the department stores, it's specialty stores from all across the country. Everyone's in town right now, and you know, luckily they all got in before the snowstorm is happening right now. So that's that was a lucky thing. Um, and then our collection actually goes to Paris in a couple of weeks to go to the Paris market. That's where we see most of our international accounts besides the the lower Americas. Yes, it's interesting to me that you mentioned specialty stores, which I'm hearing more and more and more about the power of the specialty store. Would you agree? And and why why does that why is that so effective? It's super important. I mean, it's it's easier just to sell a department store because one buyer buys for you know twenty different stores instead of having it buy, sell it to twenty buyers for twenty different stores. Um, but the specialty stores are the ones that really sort of often take a chance on something. They'll, t- they'll buy something that's a little more experimental than what we typically sell to the department stores. And then um, that's what often happens. And then sometimes we'll be surprised. Yesterday I was surprised our buyer was in from Nima Marcus and she chose um, some of the most avant-garde pieces from the collection. And you know, typically Nima Marcus would carry the, the most beautiful, but also the safest things. But this time they're really taking, I think their customer is asking them for newness and for fashion, not just the same old thing again and again and again. Oh my gosh, that's interesting to me. I'm going to use you as a source for a story I'm working on this week about that kind of recaps the week because I'm seeing these two. Tell me if I'm right. Like I'm hearing that there is, you know, a nostalgia. Nostalgia is resonating. A lot of designers and brands are talking about and showing they're thinking about nostalgia. But then it's like, what is the state of innovation? What is the balance there? Do people want fashion shoppers? Do they want innovation? You're saying yes. Or do they want what's familiar? Or is it a little bit of both? It's a combination of both. I think what we tried to do this season was, you know, Bachelor Mishka is, is a heritage brand now. It's been around for 35 years. So it it's, it's definitely has um, has a look and a, and a feeling to it. And people come to us for that. But at the same time, you can't, we would never just reissue an old dress and try to set, tell people that that's new again. Um, what we do love is when people do take, take things from Bachelor Mishka that are from the past and, you know, maybe may be brought a dress 30 years ago or their mom bought a dress 30 years ago and now they're wearing it and it still looks current, which is what's, that's the nostalgia that we love is that when things can be old, but they look new again. Yes. Yeah, so you guys haven't, you haven't done kind of an archival collection like that was trending for a little bit, or is that something? We like actually, that? we sell, we sell archival pieces at our store in Beverly Hills. Um, it has a whole section devoted to the archive pieces which is kind of amazing that we just, they were just sitting in our archives and we're like, well, what are they just doing sitting here? We should probably get them on people's backs and and sell them um, because, and people really love that. A lot of celebrities actually love buying the old dresses because they are, they do have a history to them. They, they have a picture of them on the runway on, you know, some famous supermodel back in the, in the nineties. And now they're wearing them today again, which is really, really fun. So fun. Have you guys considered or do you do um, resale and maybe you do that through your own channels? Uh, we have a part of our website that takes uh, pre-loved Bachelor Mishka pieces and does resell them for our customers. Okay, um, they have to go great. through a certain vetting process and everything. We have to make sure that they're authenticated and everything. But um, Mark and I pretty much know what we 
done before. So we, we, we can authenticate them ourselves or we have a staff that does it as well. Okay, fantastic. Tell me about the, um, the trajectory of the business throughout the pandemic. Because like you said, when you said Neiman Marcus wants these amazing gowns, I was like, yeah, all these events are coming back with a vengeance and people are into getting decked out at the moment. But obviously events weren't happening. Um, what, what happened between 2020 and I guess now? Um, it was a tough time for us. I mean, Bajamishka is, has built its business mostly on evening wear and occasion wear. So when those occasions don't happen, nobody buys Bajamishka. So that was kind of a really tough time. We pivoted a little bit. We immediately put a collection into work that was um, more stay at home, entertaining at home, just, you know, or entertaining on Zoom, which became a real thing. Zoom cocktail parties became a real thing back in back in those days. Um, we just clothes that were comfortable, easy to wear, but still glamorous. Um, not, you know, we and we just put the brakes on the collection that we were producing right then. We were about to ship, um, we're getting ready to ship our fall collection. We had just shown the fall collection in February of 2020 when everything came to a halt. And so we had that entire collection and we had already bought the fabrics for it. We bought everything. It was all in, going into work and we just put the brakes on it and then shipped it a year later. Okay, great. Nobody knows the difference, right? <laughs> yeah, people, people were waiting for those clothes. I mean, that was, was a great collection. It was received really well. And, um, you know, they didn't, those clothes didn't just die. They, they definitely had a, a longer life than we'd expected them to. Yeah, the diversification of your business model and the fact that you do have licenses in areas beyond apparel, would you say that served you well and that's maybe worked to I almost safeguard the brand and, and keep you afloat for these 35 years? That was super important during during the pandemic, especially our shoe business is tremendous. It's a huge, huge part of our of our portfolio. Um, and people kept buying shoes, even if they weren't buying clothes, they were buying shoes through the pandemic and that kept us going as well. And then the other categories, you know, something's going if something kind of has a blip of someone, you know, for some reason, it's a it's a warm winter, so no one's buying coats. So if we don't have a good coat season, we'll have a good swimsuit season. It's, it's all these things kind of counteract each other. For sure. It's interesting that people are buying shoes. What, where, where are they going? <laughs> I think they're just walking around their house where they were. Now, now they're going out and people, you know, people, women absolutely love shoes. We've yeah. done events before with like the richest society women in New York City, like at, a, at an auction house. And we'll have a lunch in there before and they'll be previewing their fine jewelry sale. And we'll give them a pair of shoes. And you think we're giving them like a 25 karat diamond ring. They're so excited to get a pair of shoes. It's just, it's absolutely mind boggling. And it's fun too. Yeah, I hear that. I have shoes in my closet that I don't know that I'll wear again. I just like to look at them. <laughs> yeah, they're works of art sometimes. They really can be. For sure. Well, tell me, I know when we talked about your fragrance launch, um, I think Mark alluded to the fact that you are having fun with this beauty project. <laughs> tell me about your ambitions, um, you yourself. Tell me about your ambitions um, for the brand, for for beauty, for prestige fragrance. Um, we're excited about it. This is a project that we've we been started a couple of years ago, and we were trying to figure out how to do uh, the prestige fragrance in a way that would be more fun than just, you know, dropping a perfume on a, on a store counter. We wanted to make it so it was really an experience. So we're, we have this whole series of uh, fragrances. We're gonna, I think there'll be nine in total, maybe more if it goes, if things go really well, where they're all based on places that we've vacationed before. And so we start with Cap Antibes is the first one, and then Chateau Biscaya is the other one, is the second one that we dropped right now. And we're gonna be dropping new ones every, um, 
every so often, every perhaps six to nine months to get a new fragrance out there. So it'll be a whole portfolio, a whole world of fragrance of Badger Mishka, which is, it makes it really fun for us and very interactive. Fantastic. And I think you told me that, you know, it's obviously not something that's cheap, upward of $100, but it, it's an opportunity to, um, I don't know, clinch a new customer who may be so interested and love the brand, but doesn't maybe invest in a $1,000 gown, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it is a prestige fragrance. It is over a hundred dollars for the, the the main bottle, but there are also more accessible, you know, travel sprays and things like that that come in uh, that clock in a lot less than that in terms of dollar commitment. And it's a way of getting a little bit of Badger Michigan into your life, into your life, even if you don't have any place to go to. You, everyone can wear a fragrance. Yes, and you blowing up this beauty opportunity potentially. I don't know if it would be with the same beauty partner, I know you're working with Horizon Beauty Group, but you're, is there also interest in doing a lipstick or a cosmetics or skincare and all of that? We are working on all of that actually um, right now. So we're excited about that. It's really, I'm, I'm a product person. I really love pr- trying new products and getting effective ones. And we've been developing this product, skincare product and color cosmetics um, for a little while now. It's, it's a definite process because you don't want to be just one more on, on the shelf. You want to make it so it's really special and something that we would actually, you know, be able to use and our friends would be able, not the cosmetics maybe, but the, the skincare stuff. And our friends can use the cosmetics. And, you know, we've always had kind of a color sense. Badger Mishka has always had a very muted, very um, flattering color sensibility, which I think that's coming through in our color cosmetics that we're developing as well. So that's 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 really fun project to work on. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Looking back on your 35 years, obviously you've reached this level of notoriety, prestige. Like, what would you say? I mean, if you had to talk to brands that are emerging and um, I would say designers and, and want to reach your level, um, what was the secret to, to just reaching your level in terms, obviously sales, obviously, um, I guess, you have people, you have fans who are noteworthy as well. Um, but yeah, what, what's the secret? I think the most important thing that we've realized is just staying true to yourself. We've, we've never tried to be everything to everybody. We've always been very specific. You know, Badge and Mishka stands for elegant, old Hollywood glamour and beauty. And we've always done that. Even you know, when we started the collection was when grunge came out, which you don't remember probably, but I do. No, it was, no, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like the worst possible time for two American guys to come up with a collection of you know twelve evening, uh, twelve cocktail dresses. It was like so not what was going on in the, in the market. But that's kind of what was good was that we st- we stood apart because we weren't doing the same thing everybody else was doing. And we've kept to that the entire time. Everything we do at Badger Mishka, whether it's shoes, homeware evening gowns, um, furniture, everything always has a feeling of glamour to it. And that's what's really important. And I think that this, my advice to somebody would be just to choose your lane and stay in it. And, you know, don't be the same. Don't, don't, if it's not working, don't hit, it, hit your head against the wall too much. Figure out what will work and then, but to stand for something and really, and really stand behind that. I love that. Yay for glamour. There's a lot of effortless effortless quote unquote looks going around. And there was a, another quote that was something like, I think it was by Carl Lagerfeld. Somebody was like, um, it's sexy to try <laughs> like the effortless, something to that effect. I butchered it. I know it, but you talked about being two American men. Um, 
Tell me, like, is your production happening in the States? Do you find challenges with being an American brand in this high fashion market? Um, it doesn't. I mean, there's a definite built in cachet to being a European house. We considered starting our company in Paris when we when we founded the company. We were thinking, should we just do it in Paris instead of in New York? Because it does have a little bit more of a, a glamorous feeling to it if you are um, traditionally inclined. And we said, well, we can go to France. We could start it there. And then we fabulous to be an American designer in France, but we don't speak French. So <laughs> we couldn't get anything done. We know how to get things done in New York, which is why we started it here. Um, cause that's where our, our previous experience had, had been, but it definitely was, um, unusual to have two American guys doing a collection of evening clothes for women. It was really unusual. For sure. When I, when we spoke about your fragrance, I keep flashing back, but the, um, Ooh, Camilla, come anyway, the contact from horizon was like, before you got on the phone, she said, you, she was talking about how nice you guys are. <laughs> which I would agree. But does your customer want to see you? Are you consumer facing? Is it about meeting them at events? I'm sure. Um, anyway, they they want to get to know you as well. It is important. We've spent so much time over the past 35 years going on trunk shows, working with customers in the stores, um, meeting them, doing events with them, um, supporting their charities, which is important to them and makes it important to us. Um, but we really love meeting our customer. And that's you can sit in New York and you can design, you know, in your office and you can make fabulous, beautiful things. But if you get if you're not in touch with the customer, you you'll drift away from them and then eventually they'll drift away from you as well. So we thought it was really important to keep our customers top of mind all the time. And to do that, um, we really need to get in the trenches with them. We've been in every dressing room in this country. We know all the tricks to make people look amazing. We learned a lot from our customers throughout the years, and that's been a real education as well. No doubt. How would you say your customers' behaviors changed, uh, pandemic or not? Like, what does she want now? What is she, what's thrown you for a loop maybe? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, obviously during the pandemic, we weren't doing any trunk shows or any real face-to-face -face interactions with, with the customers. We did Zooms with them, but never, not so much face-to-face. I think that the explosion of information has been what's really changed people's patterns. They there's they know what's out there. It's, they don't really want to be dictated to anywhere. They want to know what their options are, and they and they know and they don't know what their options are. They really know what they are, and they um, they realize that they have options. There's not just they don't just wear one designer anymore. They wear every designer. Um, they have their favorites, of course, but you know they know what they can get away with. They and it's a lot of high low too. It's very rare to find a customer that dresses exclusively in designer clothes. Um, most of them have a, you know, a badge of Mishka here, a different designer there, and then you know, something from Zara. It's all it's all a big mix, which is what's amazing, and I think it's fantastic. Yes. On that note, on social media, like the transparency is to the nth degree. Like, what would you say? Um, it just has me thinking about the luxury experience. I consider you a luxury brand. Like what, what does it mean to, to provide that luxury experience? What are the demands around that for your, for your customer? I think the most important thing is that um, to make it a true luxury experience for our customer, it has to be, has to have an area of exclusivity, first of all. And it needs to be unique and catered, you know, tailored to her, not necessarily tailored in terms of, you know, getting it fitted, but just it has to be, 
unique and suitable for the customer. That's that's the true luxury because time is the real luxury. And if you can streamline things, that's a that's a gift of luxury right there. Absolutely. I so agree. What's challenging you guys now? Um, let's see, what's challenging us right now? It's always getting the next collection together. You know, we're a little bit behind on our next collection, which is usually the case after a runway show. Um, so we've done this, you know, 70 some times so far. So we are used to it. We, we always pull it out somehow. Um, but getting our, you know, team together, getting them thinking about the next season, you know, we're working on, well, we're starting to work on next fall already, which we just showed this fall. And we're heavily into um, resort, holiday, and spring right now. So it's sort of, it's always trying to, hard to get your head around that when it's a snowstorm outside and you're thinking about, you know, swimsuits. Yes, no doubt. How many collections are you doing a year? And have you have you dabbled with changing that or that the see now, buy now, or any sort of shifts? Does that work for you, the, the OG traditional model? Uh, it does work for us. I mean, it... it it works for us because clothes like ours are, you know, not inexpensive for the most part. And you have, it really works better for us if we can get the buyer to commit to it, you know, nine months ahead of time so we can produce it properly. Because that's how long it takes to produce these clothes. These clothes are going to be in the store that we showed two days ago are going to be in the stores in August. So, and we've already bought the, a lot of the fabrics already, but to really buy expensive fabrics ahead of time and sort of take a position on that is, is not easy because if you make a, if you guess wrong, then you're stuck with it, which yes. is not good. So in terms of a business model, it makes sense for us to do it this way. We have tried before to show right before the season. We've done we released like a, a movie one time instead of doing a show, and we released it right at the time of the stuff going in the store, the clothes going in the store, and it was great. But you know we had to really take a flyer on that and really take a position on all the clothes beforehand because it's. You, you never know what's going to hit and what's going to really resonate. We think we have a feeling, but, you know, you can always be wrong. Yes, I hear that. Um, are you getting, I don't know, leveraging data analytics better and, and technologies to um, be able to gauge demand or what's working to kind of eliminate that that risk? Um, are, we still do it old guard. We really do are the old-fashioned ones. Um, we don't use any AI in any part of our company yet. Um, even our designers and Mark and I, we don't use computers to to do our designing. We sketch everything, and you know, every time we do a beading, um, a beaded garment, every single bead is drawn by hand on a on a piece of pattern paper. So it's very very old school, but that's what makes it special and makes it that's what gives it a sort of a, a vintage and heirloom feeling, which is what we think is important about Badgley Mishka. For sure, you know what I've heard a lot of luxury brands dabbling with collaborations, again, as a means of reaching a new audience. Um, maybe you're taking a different route with your various licenses, but have, have collaborations come into the mix? I don't recall. We just did a really fun one, which is launching in about a month. We did a collaboration with Lily Pulitzer. Oh, fun. For, yeah, for their 65th anniversary um, collection, they asked us to do a, a capsule with them. So we did a collection of um, seven different dresses and we worked with their prints and with their designers. And it was really a, a fun thing because the, the brand is a friend of ours anyway. We, our showrooms were next to each other. Um, we lived next door to the president of the company. Um, so, and, we, and Lily herself was a, a big presence in Palm Beach, which is where we are now. Um, so she was a, 
a presence at our store in Palm Beach a lot as well. So it was really a, a sort of organic collaboration and it was a, it's a one-off, but a, who knows what will happen in the future. For sure. What can you tell me about the size of your company? I know you've got your hands in outside of the company with various partners in-house. How large are we talking? In-house, I'll look, the, uh, the clothing part of the company is about 30 people, I'd say, plus warehouse and that kind of stuff. But in the New York, it's about 30 people. And then with our other companies, with the, the shoe company is enormous. It has, they, we own the factories um, for the shoes and everything. So it's a, it's a lot of people. And um, then we have outerwear, we have swimwear, we have handbags, obviously. Um, the beauty companies are huge. It's So if you add up all the people that work with Badge Mishka, it's an, it's pro- probably well over a thousand people. Okay, so, but we don't, and we don't manage them all. They, every, every licensee manages their own staff, of course, but, um, you know, we manage the apparel people and, um, they're, it's a lot of them have been with us for, you know, over 15 years. So it's a lot, it's a lot like a family, which is kind of nice to have. Yes. And what can you tell me about your, um, highs and lows in terms of your, your sales, your revenue? Have you, um, are you in your heyday now? <laughs> Where, where's the company? Um, it's it's definitely on a growth trajectory. Last couple of years, I mean, during, obviously everything took a dip during COVID, but um, we're back way above pre-COVID levels, um, which has been great. The, the resurgence after COVID, I think people really realized how important clothes are to them and how important their appearance is because they had they didn't do it for a while, and then all of a sudden they had the opportunity again. So all of a sudden things came back with a vengeance and it's been, it's been a fantastic uh, resurgence. And I just think it's going to keep going up and up and up and up. Yes. People are dressing. Celebs are dressing. What, what can you tell me about the red carpet moment? Does that move the needle for a company or is that just marketing and fun? It's marketing. I don't know if it's always fun because a lot of it's, you know, we don't pay celebrities to wear our clothes. They have, they wear them because they want to. And that's not, often the case anymore that's a lot of times it's a it's a business deal for the celebrity to wear a certain brand but we don't do that and so when they come to us it's always about they know what we can do for them and um they know that if they wear badge Mishka, they will look fantastic and we will not stop until they look their absolute best that's interesting yeah i didn't think that of you and your kind of a celebrity ambassador or somebody who who's connected with the brand wears it everywhere have you guys done that before we do advertising campaigns and we used to use celebrities in our advertising campaigns and then they would typically wear the clothes for at least that season. And usually it's somebody we, we worked with before that we just, funny enough, we'd run into them in a coffee shop in LA and be like, hey, do you want to do our ad campaign? And it's like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And it it's really um, very organic a lot of the time for us. It just, it's a matter of like we were at American Idol one time, we ran into Terry Hatcher in the in the line waiting to get in, and we had worked with her when she was on Lois and Clark back, and she was one of our very first red carpets back in the eighties, oh sorry, early nineties, and we're like we're casting our campaign, and she was you know at the height of her um, housewives fame right then, and with and she's beautiful, so it was really fun. We're like, she's like, let's let's do something together. And she's like, yeah, let's do something, and we did. So that was really fun. Oh my gosh, that's iconic! And for those young kids who are listening, that is Desperate Housewives. That is not Real Housewives. <laughs> oh yeah, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, not not the Real Housewives of, of anywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> totally. What can you tell me about your campaign today? Um, is it a model? Is, are those ads running in a um, a glossy fashion magazine like we would maybe hear 10 years ago? Where are those ads going? Who's in it? We just launched our spring campaign, uh, which was based on our spring show, which was in September. But it's the clothes that are going in the stores right now. And that show was a celebration of the 35 years of Badgley Mishka. We had, um, I don't know if you remember, we had half the show was uh, was a presentation. Half of the uh, presentation was models like you would use on the runway. And half is women that had been important to our company over the past 35 years. We had our first ever fitting model was in this campaign. Um, some celebrities we worked with were in the, were in the, um, in the show. And Frederick van der Waal, who was a supermodel in the 80s, she was like, the, she had more Cosmo covers than any other model in history. Um, she and our first fitting model, Coco Mitchell, are the campaign stars this season. So that's kind of fun that they're real people as well as being models, um, which is a combination. And that's who's in the campaign right now. And it's all across our digital platforms and our, you know, social and then um, it's getting a lot of pickup and play other places as well. So that's where that's where we're placing it. Fantastic. What can you tell me about the importance of brand ownership? I know um, the company was formerly owned by I think Candies or other companies, um, but um, you pulled it back under your reign. Yeah. What's going on? We did. We bought it back um, with some partners a couple of years. Um, actually, it's been probably eight years now. And it's great because we can we can make our own mistakes. If you, somebody makes a mistake, it's us, and we don't have anybody to blame for it. So we really um, take ownership of everything that happens with the brand now, which is really important and really, I think, crucial to keeping a brand on track. For sure. You told me many fragrances to come. What else can we expect in 2024? Well, besides the um, the color cosmetics and the skincare, which is hopefully that'll be in 2024. might not be till 25. I'm not quite sure what the timetable is going to be on that. Uh, it just depends how long it takes us to get it right. And then um, we have additional categories of, you know, we're going into, uh, funny enough, we're going into children's wear a little bit. We're going to, we do little girls shoes. We're going back into little girls dresses, you know, because there's a certain mommy and me thing that's really important to a lot of people that we can, we can help them with. Um, and we are still looking at, we're going to hopefully go back into menswear at some point in the near future. Oh, great. Yeah. Good for us. We can finally wear the clothes. <laughs> yes. Glossy wants to write that story. You keep us posted. <laughs> okay. We will for sure. <laughs> the next 35 years, any, gosh, any long-term aspirations? Tell me about it. You know, Mark and I just want to keep going and doing this. We don't think we have peaked yet. I think we have a lo we have lots of things we still want to do. And um, it's still fun for us. We want to keep doing this as long as it's fun for us. When it, If it's not fun, it's not worth it. It's a hard industry. Um, it's rewarding, but it's really a lot of work and difficult. And if it's not fun, it's not going to be good for us. Totally. Well, we are having fun watching James. I so appreciate you being here. You don't seem tired at all. This was so fun. <laughs> this is really fun. Yeah, this is great. And it's like, it's, it's a snowstorm outside, so it's like a snow day for us here. So from now, I, from here, I go into the office, but um, this has been a nice start to the day. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're here. We're cozy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.